How are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good too. My wife was gone for a little over a week. She landed at the airport last night at almost midnight. So I guess you know what that means I was doing last night. I was making the bed for the first time in over a week. <laughs> Changed the sheets, did everything I was supposed to do, made sure the house was clean. Not so clean that she would think I don't need her. <laughs> but I'm glad that she's home. Don't you hate spoilers? I do. I, I hate spoilers. You know, you've been watching that show all season long and you have to miss it and so you DVR it and you haven't had a chance to watch it and then somebody says something and you know what happened. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Bill made the mistake of giving some spoilers when it came to Independence Day. Well, if you have not yet seen the movie Ghostbusters, I want you to relax because I promise there will be no spoilers in this message. No spoilers whatsoever. And that's an easy promise for me to keep because I've never actually seen any of the Ghostbuster movies. I know that may seem strange to you. I, I did see some of the first one on TV, but it had already started when I walked in and I left before it finished. And I'm told I should watch them and that I would probably enjoy them because of the comedy, but I'm not a fan of sci-fi and I don't like being frightened, not even a little bit. And yes, there is some things from my childhood that make that true, but I think I'll save those stories for the therapist someday. <laughs> By the way, I haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies either. But from the very first Ghostbuster movie, the current one is the third, a group of people became hooked. Ghostbusters has kind of a cult following, and they have attracted great actors to be in the films, and they have marketed uh, their films very, very well. Even people like me who didn't see the original became familiar with the song and with the taglines. So why are we doing a message on a movie that I haven't seen? Because it's not the only movie out right now about paranormal activity or black magic. There is The Conjuring 2 and um, Warcraft and perhaps some others. Frankly, there seems to be this on-again, off-again obsession with things like ghosts and demons and black magic and other aspects of unexplained supernatural activity. It seems to be a reoccurring theme, especially in the entertainment realm. And as a result, I get asked a lot of questions. I get asked whether uh, what is true and what is not true and what does the Bible say about these things. And so I want to bring this message today about understanding the supernatural. And as we begin, let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, would you just help us to push aside anything that would distract us, anything that would keep us from hearing what you want to say to us right now? I pray, Father, that you would just open our heart, help us push aside our preconceived ideas that many of which have come from the media, and help us, Father, to focus on 
your truth today. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me quote from an article titled, What the Bible Says About Ghosts. Dustin Parry was about nine years old when he says he saw something that petrified him and forever changed his life. He says it stood a few feet tall and had a human shape, only it was dark gray and see-through. Like vapor, like a gas station on a hot day, you can kind of see those fumes coming up, Parry says. And it was lurking in the doorway of his bedroom in the New England home where he grew up. It really intrigued me. What was this thing, and what was it doing there, he says. It was something he now would classify as a shadow figure. That's after he spent, he's spent two decades as a paranormal investigator, featured on popular reality television shows like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. And like many people in America, Paris first, encounter, first encountered the field of paranormal investigation on television, watching shows like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures and Paranormal Stay. But let me give you some statistics. Not only do nearly one in five Americans now believe in ghosts, but they also claim to have seen one. A number that has doubled over the past decade or so since Ghost Hunters debuted in 2004. That's according to a poll by the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. And the Pew poll is a conservative poll compared to others inquiring simply about what people believe. 48% of Americans believe in ghosts, according to a CBS poll, and 45% according to a 2014 poll by the Huffington Post. More than one in three feel that they have been in contact with the dead, whether that's through a ghost, a psychic, or other means. Among white evangelical Christians, that number is at 20%. It's higher still among white mainline Protestants at 29%. Black Protestants are at 37%, and white Catholics are at 35%, according to Pew Research. As I said, this is an area of interest where many people have various opinions. And I think we need to get past our preconceived notions and gain a real understanding of this. And our understanding needs to come from what God teaches us about it. Now, if you are here and you're still exploring faith, you're not sure that you believe in all of this Jesus stuff, we understand that, and you may not agree with this, and that's okay. Keep searching. Keep asking your questions. We're good with that. But many of us in this room feel that God has communicated to us through this book, through the Bible. And I know some teach that the Bible has been changed because of people translating it wrong or misinterpreting it, but I can tell you that research, thorough research, tells me that just isn't true. That just isn't true, and I'd love to talk to you about that sometime if you have questions, but I believe that the Bible is trustworthy as we have it today. But for the sake of this message, I want to look at what the Bible says about these things. I want to gain God's wisdom and his truth about this subject. So as we begin, let me point out four Bible truths about ghosts and the dark side. 
four Bible truths about ghosts on the dark side. You can take some notes on this in your listening guide if you'd like. But one of the first things that I would tell you is, according to the Bible, we don't see dead people. We don't see dead people. Let's just tackle the question, what are ghosts? A dictionary definition of the word ghost says that it is the spirit of a dead person, especially one believed to haunt living persons, end quote. This is usually the idea we get in our minds when someone says the word ghost. We think of haunted houses and restless spirits and scary movies and graveyards and floating apparitions and seances. So most who talk about ghosts believe that they are dead people who have come back to earth to haunt the earth. Now here's what the Bible says about dead people. In Isaiah 26 it says this, Now they are dead, they live no more, their spirits do not rise. The Bible says when people die, their spirits do not rise. The Bible tells us several other things about dead people. And I've put some scripture in your notes that you can look at later if you want, but because of time, I will go through these very quickly. One of the things that tells us about dead people is they don't haunt houses. They don't haunt houses. Job 7 says, as a cloud disappears and is gone, people go to the grave and never return. They will never come back to their houses again, and their places will not, uh, their places will not know them anymore. The passage says clearly, Dead people don't go back to their homes after they die. Next, ghosts aren't people from the past with unfinished business. Psalm 146 says, when they breathe their last, they return to the grave and all of their plans die with them. All of our business is done when we die. We don't stick around to take care of unfinished business. The next thing it tells us is dead people don't become angels. This has become very popular uh, amongst people to talk about how when a good person dies, when uh, they uh, have passed on, that they must become angels. This seems to be especially true when children die. People talk about this. And it's popular for people to talk about people who die becoming angels, but that isn't a biblical teaching at all. It's not a biblical teaching in any way, shape, or form. Psalms 8 says that humans were created a little lower than angels. And 1 Corinthians says that eventually we as humans will judge angels. And 1 Peter says that you and I today know things about God and God's plan that the angels long to know and understand. So what are all these unexplained appearances? What are these stories that seem so real about ghosts? Here's what the Bible seems to say. They are demons sent to deceive us. They're demons sent to deceive us. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 and 12 say this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The old King James version of the Bible actually had a specific name for those kinds of evil spirits. There they are called familiar spirits. 
The reason being is they are familiar with the lives and the habits of the person who died so that they can impersonate them today to the living. When people say that they see or can talk to people who have died, they are not talking to or seeing the actual ghost of that person. They are in truth talking to an evil spirit who was familiar enough with that person when they were alive to pretend to be them. This brings us to the second truth, and it's very important. The dark side is real and should be avoided. The dark side is real and it should be avoided. The Bible always assumes the devil and his demons are real and that there are many aspects of the supernatural which are dangerous for God's people. Look at what God told his people through Moses before they entered the promised land from Deuteronomy 18. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, don't learn to do the hateful things the other nations do. Don't let anyone use magic or witchcraft or try to explain the meaning of signs. Don't let anyone try to control others with magic and don't let them be mediums or try to talk to the spirits of dead people. Now, in a day and age when we have many television shows and many games and many movies focusing on these things, we need to know that the Bible specifically mentions some of them as things that we need to avoid. Many Christians have a different view of what it means to avoid the dark side. I mean, how far do you go when trying to avoid the dark side? Some Christians have decided to avoid Halloween Uh, completely because of all of its evil connotations. But some of those same people continue to have a Christmas tree in their home at Christmas time, which comes from a very pagan ritual. Uh, Other Christians, myself included, used Halloween to teach my kids the power of God is greater than the power, uh, than any power Satan possesses. And we use the Christmas tree to point us to the cross. And today, parents are making choices about the seemingly harmless witch, Harry Potter, who has motivated their kids to read, and about video games that their kids love, and many other things. And the same discussions have taken place about Ouija boards, and Dungeons and Dragons, and Christian, uh, or certain music groups, or certain songs. I'm pretty sure all country music might fit there. Okay, probably not. (laughs) but I don't like country music. Anyway, I don't have a definitive answer on these things. Each parent will have to make choices of where to draw the specific line for their own household, but we need to understand that witchcraft and palm reading and horoscopes and psychics are not just harmless entertainment. The Bible tells us we need to avoid them. Not only does the Bible teach that the powers of the supernatural and demons are real, but it teaches us that demons believe. The demons believe. Amazing as it may sound, demons are believers in Jesus. Listen to what Jesus' brother James wrote. You surely believe there is only one God. That's fine. Even demons believe this, and it makes them shake with fear. We know a few things about what demons believe. They believe in one God. They know there is only one true God, not many. And that makes them shake with fear. They're trying to deceive other people into believing that there are many gods or many paths to heaven, but they don't believe that. 
They believe that there's only one true God. Secondly, they believe in Jesus as God. They don't believe he is just a great teacher and a nice man that lived and helped people during his time. They know that he is God. They know that he is God who left heaven and came to earth to live with us for a time and to offer us forgiveness and salvation. And thirdly, they believe in hell. The demons believe in hell. Look at what at this verse from Matthew 8. Jesus is dealing with some demons at this time. And look at what they said. What do you want with us, Son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Not only did they know that there was a hell, they knew that they were going to end up there. They knew that they were going to go there. Their complaint was that they thought it was too soon for Jesus to judge them. The Bible teaches clearly that the demons believe uh, in hell, but even knowing there is one true God and that he sent Jesus, that hasn't turned them from their rebellion and caused them to turn back to God. Lastly, Satan is trying to steal us away from God. Satan is trying to steal us away from God. Look at this passage from 1 Peter 5. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Satan isn't looking for someone to tempt. He isn't just looking for someone to tease. He isn't even just looking for someone to torment. He is looking for someone to destroy he wants to devour us. You see, he knows that his fate is sealed. We have this picture of Satan, and we often picture him as the manager or the CEO of hell. You know, we see him as the manager or CEO of hell, just kind of walking around with a clipboard, deciding who needs a little more fire, who needs a little more torment, you know, kind of laughing about the pain of everybody there in hell. Can I tell you that that picture of Satan and that picture of hell is completely Hollywood? It's not at all what Scripture teaches. It's 100% Hollywood. And um, that's not at all what Scripture teaches. He, somewhere along the line, Satan uh, just figured out he was going to lose. Satan understood he is doomed. You see, Scripture tells us hell was created for the devil and for his angels. And Satan isn't going to enjoy hell. It was made to punish him. He will suffer and suffer greatly for all eternity. And somewhere along the line, he decided that if he couldn't win, he would take as many people away from God as possible. His whole mission is to keep people out of heaven. And he's doing a pretty good job of it. He uses a lot of tools. Suffering that causes people to question God politics, even Christ followers. I mean, every time we read about a church scandal involving Christian leaders, someone decides that they're going to stay away and Satan wins a few more. And every time there's church fights and division and 
pettiness in the church. Satan may win a few. And every time Christians and followers of Jesus fail to talk to somebody about Jesus, he may gain one. And that's why we have to be so active in helping others hear that God loves them, that he's provided salvation for them. We have to snatch them back from Satan. We have to let them know that there is real hope in Jesus. And that's what Jesus did during his ministry here on earth. He just kept reclaiming people that Satan was trying to steal. He just kept reclaiming them. Jesus treated demon-possessed people as unfortunate rather than immoral. They were pitied rather than blamed. He just helped them see that they didn't have to go to hell. And then they followed him. And we're trying to do the same thing. You don't have to dwell in evil. You don't have to be lost. Jesus wants to keep you with him. He loves you. Hell wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. And he wants all of us to escape hell. He wants all of us to enjoy heaven. So let's spend the rest of our time looking at how to protect yourself from evil. As you consider ghosts on the dark side, there are a few things that you can do that will help you and protect you and your family. First, don't mistake interest for importance. Don't mistake interest for importance. One of the biggest dangers of the dark side is the fact that it has this power to draw us in. I mean, we listen to the psychics on TV and the mediums uh, on the radio and on TV, and we try to figure out how she or he knows what they're saying. And we love to hear the stories of strange, unexplainable events. And the problem is, we often move from being interested to believing these things are truly important. Look at what 1 Timothy 4 tells us. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. The passage is clear. Some followers of Christ will give up their faith in God to chase after some of these supernatural experiences, some of the things that interest them. And it is so easy to get sucked in. I remember in high school going to a Bible study that um, spent four whole weeks discussing whether or not the Bermuda Triangle was the entrance to hell. Somebody had a book, and it had lots of stories about the Bermuda Triangle, and it was really interesting and totally not important. Totally not important. Let me share with you two hints that will keep you, uh, help you keep this area in proper focus. First, avoid the extremes of rebellion or rejection and obsession. The extremes of rejection and obsession. The great uh, English theologian and writer C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Screwtape Letters, quote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. 
One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Our tendency is either to spend a lot of time uh, trying to prove that these supernatural events are explainable and therefore false, or for us to get fascinated by the phenomena. Both rejection and obsession can be the wrong path that takes you further and further away from what really is important. Write this down. Most people probably need to worry more about demon obsession than demon possession. Spiritually, you may be in more danger by being obsessed with demons than you are of ever becoming possessed by a demon. The second suggestion is this. Spend your time on what you need to know. Spend your time on what you need to know. Did you know, according to the Bible, there are certain things we don't need to know? There are certain things, according to the Bible, that it just will not help us to know at all. Look at this passage from Deuteronomy 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow the words of this law. Instead of focusing on the mysteries that we don't understand, we should spend our time focusing on the things God does want us to know. I don't know about you, but there are still many things that the Bible teaches very clearly about that I would understand and not have to worry about if I'd just spend more time studying. If I'd spend more time focused on the things that I can know and should know and uh, that would help me instead of spending time on the things that I don't need to know. You see, I have found myself becoming more and more content when I see one of those mysteries that I don't understand, just saying, gee, I don't understand that. Someday when I get to heaven, I'll ask God about that, or I'll be so overwhelmingly fascinated with heaven that I just won't care to ever ask the question. I'm okay just saying I just don't need to know that. And I refuse to let my interest in a supernatural situation distract me from what really is important. The second thing you can do to protect yourself in this area is remember God is stronger. Remember that God is stronger. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with the evil that we see around us. It's been happening a lot lately, hasn't it? These uh, murderous attacks and the dishonesty and corruption all around us, it's easy to feel like sin and Satan are winning. It's easy to feel like sin and Satan are taking over and that Christianity and the things of God are just losing the battle. And we need to remind ourselves, God is stronger than anything we face. He's stronger than anything we face. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of their authority. With the cross, he won the victory and showed the world that they were powerless. Jesus has won the victory on the cross. He proved there that Satan and all of his tricks are powerless. So I guess I should say, I ain't afraid of no ghost. God is stronger, and they are powerless. It's interesting to me that most of what we read in the Bible about demons is said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four 
places that tell us about the life of Jesus. It's as if Satan knew that Jesus was about to win, and so he sent out his army of demons to afflict people, to make it as difficult as possible for them and for others to respond to Jesus. It isn't surprising that during the time that Jesus is most active on the earth, that demons are also most active. But Jesus has won the battle. So when we have questions, when we have curiosity or fear about this, we need to go to God for our answers. A scripture that isn't in your notes is from Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. It says this, some people say, ask the mediums and the fortune tellers who whisper and mutter what to do. But I tell you that people should ask their God for help. Why should people who are still alive ask something from the dead? You should follow the teachings and the agreement with the Lord. The mediums and the fortune tellers do not speak the word of the Lord, so their words are worth nothing. Why would I consult the dead or the words of people who focus on the past life? I can go to God for help. I can ask Him for help, and I don't need to be afraid. See, many times people are afraid. They're afraid of Satanism and of witchcraft and demons, but God is stronger. If we go to him, we don't have to be afraid of the dark side. The Bible is clear. Satan is powerless if we're trusting in and depending on Jesus and if we are in a strong relationship with Jesus. When I feel the forces of the dark side just coming at me, all I have to do is say, get away from me, Satan. I belong to Jesus. And the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, Satan will run and hide. He will run and hide. And so if you are a follower of Christ, Satan has no power over you unless you give it to him. He has no power over you unless you give it to him. If you don't open the door, Satan can't walk through it. Which brings us to our last way of protecting yourself from evil. That's this. Make sure your life is full of Jesus. Make sure your life is full of Jesus. <clears throat> Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it travels through the desert looking for a place to rest. But when it doesn't find a place, it says, I will go back to the home I left. When it gets there and finds the place clean and fixed up, it goes off and finds seven other evil spirits, even worse than itself. They all come and make their home there, and that person ends up in worse shape than before. Jesus tells this story about a demon leaving a person and going out looking for a new home, a new person to possess, and he doesn't find someone, so he goes back to the person that he used to possess, and he finds that that person has cleaned up their life. They've cleaned up their life, but they have not filled up their life. And the house is nice, the house is clean, and so the demon invites seven others to live there with him, and the person ends up worse off. What is the answer to protecting yourself from evil? I need to fill my life with Jesus. I need to fill my life with Jesus. I want to let Jesus take control, not just of parts of me, but all of me. 
I want to be sold out for him. I want to be filled with, with Jesus so that if demons come to my house, they will find a no vacancy sign. They will, find, they will find that there's no room for them because my life is full of Jesus. And when I fill my life with Jesus, I can win. I can have victory over evil. Look at what 1 John chapter 4 says. My dear children, you belong to God and you have defeated them because God's spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. I can defeat, to defeat Satan and his power because greater is he that lives inside of me than he who is outside of me in the world. Greater is he who is in me than he is who is in the world. Gee, that might make a great song, wouldn't it? <laughs> so let's finish up by answering the question, how do you fill your life with Jesus? How do you fill your life with Jesus? Well, first you need to settle the salvation question. Settle the salvation question. Make sure that you know for sure that you have trusted Jesus, that you belong to him, that you know that you're going to go to heaven when you die or when Jesus comes back. And if you're still researching the question, get serious about it, will you? We live in this time where it seems to be cool to be searching for truth. But if you claim to have found it, you're considered intolerant or uh, unwavering. And I just got to tell you, I don't think it's intellectually honest to constantly say that you have the same questions. Get answers to your questions. Research them. Come to a decision about it. And if you've already decided to trust Jesus, but you haven't told anyone about it, it's time to go public with your trust in Jesus. It's time to go public. You may need to be baptized and give yourself fully to Christ in that way that he asked you to be giving yourself to him. You may need to become a member of God's church here at Impact or wherever you live. You see, it's time to make sure that you are sure. It's time to settle the salvation question. Second, get to know him better. Get to know Jesus better. Jesus doesn't want to just protect you from evil. He wants a relationship with you. And the more time you spend with him, the better you will get to know him. The better you'll get to know his heart. The better you will begin to reflect his attitudes. The better you will be at saying no to Satan and to sin. You need to grab one of our SOAP reading plans. SOAP stands for Scripture and Observation, Application, and Prayer. It's a great way for you to start regularly studying the Bible and praying. You need to get into a growth group if you aren't already in one. You need to make church attendance a high priority in your schedule. Get to know him better. Lastly, stick to his game plan. Stick to his game plan. If he is going to be in charge of your life, you need to start doing life his way. All of us have to learn to obey him. That means we can no longer make excuses for ourselves. We can no longer make excuses for our secret sin or for our bad attitudes, or our negative thoughts towards other people, or our addictions. That means we have to get involved in 
serving him significantly. It means we have to stop complaining and stop gossiping. It means we have to quit trying to explain that he didn't mean what he said about sexual purity or he didn't mean what he said about forgiving and loving our enemies or that he didn't mean what he said about giving uh, to his causes or trying to share his love with those in your line of sight. He really did mean those things. He really did. And being full of Jesus means I have to stick to his game plan. And again, before we end, I want to emphasize, you win with Jesus. You win with Jesus. Satan can't defeat you because the cross rendered him powerless. And you need to fill your life with Jesus and so that you can experience that victory. You know, sometimes we read that verse about the gates of hell not prevailing against Jesus and we kind of get this picture of the church inside this fortress and Satan and all of the evil attacking us. You realize that's not the picture at all from that verse. It's the gates of hell that are not able to stand. You know what the picture is. That's the church, the people of God, with Jesus' strength and Jesus' power, attacking Satan, attacking evil, attacking hell, and winning. Because Satan is powerless. Evil will be powerless because greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. Let me pray for you, and then Pastor Bill will come. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times when we have become so interested in these uh, situations that they have tricked us into believing that they were important and distracted us away from you. Help us, Father, to fill our lives with Jesus. Help us, Father, to uh, empty ourselves of the falsehoods of the world and to be able to dwell in your truth. Father, I pray for those who aren't quite sure that they've trusted you, that they have your forgiveness. Father, I pray that you will answer their questions, that you will give them strength to decide to follow you. Help us, Father, to fill our lives with Jesus. Help us, Father, to obey you. Help us, Father, to get to know Jesus better so that we can experience his love and his grace and his victory. And Father, we pray that you will use us to help people who are heading towards a Christless eternity to find that there is hope in you. And we will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.